Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marcus Marks. I'm Samantha Rulo. Hello, thank you for joining us. Hi. Hi, we are back. Uh, it's PLL hiatus time, so we're going to do some Headcanon episodes this time. We're doing Back to the Future, Part 1. Yeah. <laughs> and we are very lucky to have Samantha with us from uh, another PLL podcast, taking this one to the grave. Yeah, one of the few things I love more than Pretty Little Liars is Back to the Future, so it's worked out very well. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm very <laughs> curious to get some other perspectives on this movie. I think at the end we'll have to talk about which of the liars we would send back in time and how fun that would be. All right. Wow. Aria, Aria be. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, or, or Mona, and then she literally becomes God. Mm-hmm. Well, so, uh, yeah, so just uh, some information about the movie. Directed by Robert Zemeckis. Written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale and produced by Steven Spielberg. It was released in July 3rd, 1985. This is the top movie of 1985. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, just do some opening statements. When do you guys want to go first? Well, so we talked about the elephant in the room of somewhat is Eric Stoltz. And <laughs> like watching this movie as a kid, I, I would have never known. I didn't even know who Eric Stoltz was. I mean, I didn't find this out until I was like an adult. Um, but I guess I always think about it now when I think about Back to the Future, even though of the 30 times I've seen this movie, I've only seen, I haven't seen it in like 10 years, maybe. Um, so it's been a long time. But just generally, I would say, rewatching, I, I love the, the thick tapestry of like foreshadowing that they lay out at the very beginning, pull strings from. Just when they do that initial like trip through the city center, the city square, I mean, you immediately have Goldie Wilson and the Save the Clock Tower later. He's even like the large truck that Mario will obsess over. I, I, it's such an economy of, of things that'll be such a big part of this movie. Um, but in general, I just to keep it short, I love any movie produced by Spielberg during this era. I mean, including Goonies, but especially one that feels like it's a wonderful life, but with paradoxes and like Oedipal hijinks. <laughs> um, plus, I just want to end it with like... I. I was refreshing how much I love the the music, like just from Huey Lewis and the news to like Alan Silvestri's themes. It's like every one of them. I was just like, it's like an old friend when I was rewatching this the other day, like that I completely forgotten about. Um, yeah. What about you, Samantha? Well, I was going to say, um, this is a movie that I really grew up with a lot. My entire family is obsessed with it. <laughs> um, my uncle has a DeLorean. So, <laughs> nice. um, and like you're, I, I think I've been in his garage like twice, and like I lived with him for a year. And um, so Does it like, still drive? like, uh, it only has like five thousand miles on it. He like never right. drives it. It's like in great condition. It's insane. It's just like a relic. Um, so my entire life, this movie was like my whole family watched it. Me and all my cousins. Um, my dog was named Calvin after Calvin Klein. It's such a dreamboat. <laughs> and. I but like so for me so much of it is just like tied to like my childhood that when I watch it now as an adult there's like so much that I didn't realize was happening mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. like all of the rape um, yeah, seriously and it's just crazy for me like I still enjoy it as an adult but I feel like it's in a different way and there's so much that like I don't think I picked up on when I was younger because I was too busy with like the skateboards and like all the fun stuff but now I'm like oh wow this movie has like a lot more going on than I remember or really like noticed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah the rape is definitely a shocker for me the other day um or just how casual it is yeah and it's not even just like the one scene there's like a lot of like yeah, yeah. sexual assault stuff yeah mm-hmm. uh but real quick how often does your uncle 
traffic in the uh, like roads. <laughs> we don't need any roads. Or that's. I think my dad says that like once a week, even though it's not his car. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny, and just like everything my uncle owns is like DMC on it. It's insane. My family's like very obsessed. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Well, um, for me, I would say like watching this movie feels like time traveling to me. I I'm pretty sure this was the first movie I saw in the theaters. Uh, actually, you know, I'm I'm old enough to have barely seen it in theaters. I was like five years old. Uh, I don't think I've seen this movie in at least 20 years. So watching it now, it's really hard for me to separate out what was kind of like normal in the 80s versus what was like done for comedy or like plot convenience. Like it's really weird to watch this movie and think like it seems to me like that's how the 80s were. But is it just because I was too young to know better? Mm -hmm. You know, like like how they have like George McFly being a peeping Tom. And it's it's just kind of like, oh, dad's a loser and not. Like, I, and I wonder, like, is that what people thought of Peeping Toms in the 80s? Or, I don't know, it's just so bizarre. And, like, the whole plot revolves around rape. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, you know, I watch it now, and it's this seemed normal to me in 1985. But I think I was too young to understand what was really going on. I had no idea whether or not, like, like Marty McFly in the 80s, is that a typical teenager in the 1980s? Or is that their kind of, like, joke about a teenager in the 1980s? Um, but yeah, I mean, I love the screenplay. It's a, the screenplay is like a, just a perfect example of like a high concept movie. It's everything's so tight. Everything builds on itself. I think this is actually taught in a USC, like a screenwriting classes. Um, I mean, I, I really like the movie. I just kind of wish it wasn't so creepy now that I watch it later in life. Yeah. yeah same. I mean, I, it came out before I was like born. So, <laughs> um, I watched it like in the nineties, I guess. So for me, even like the 80s stuff was like time traveling. Like I yeah. didn't, I wasn't familiar with any of the time periods. And now it's like now that I like I think know more of the context from seeing other old movies. It is interesting that to me, at least it still kind of stands out a little bit for some of that stuff. But I think it was all more common then than it would be now, like at all. I mean, it was like we watching this was a little bit like, I don't know, going back in time and either like high fiving or like looking quizzically at my younger self who watched it the first time. But there's also the element of like the first time you watch The Wedding Singer or something, and it's like so much of the 80s is played as a ridiculous mm-hmm. joke. Well, that's um, what's so weird is because this takes place, this was shot in the 80s, so... Yeah, yeah. Like, like the the way he's like, he's he, all he really wants to do is like play loud guitar music and like hang out with his girlfriend. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, like, when I watched that as a kid, I was just like, oh yeah, that's what teenagers do. And now I'm like, is that... Like, what would a teenager have thought of this movie if they watched it in 1985, you know? I don't know, just chilling and drinking their, like, Pepsi-free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite thing, was that their, like, 80s references were both two things that don't exist anymore for the soda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just, like, bad. Like, that was a placement. very small period of time where Pepsi-free and Tab was a thing. <laughs> Marty, I mean, he's he's an 80s conscious kid. He doesn't want any caffeine. He doesn't need it. He <laughs> doesn't want any sugar. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's the 80s. So, like, if you went to see this movie, would you then wait a month until the next magazine comes out to read your, like, hot take <laughs> piece on the sexual politics? I, I kind of wonder if there even were any other than, a, in like, you know, women's studies classes in colleges. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I, do, I definitely don't recall anyone ever, like, mentioning this until, like, well into my 20s and people were like huh you know if you watch those movies now well yeah, yeah I, I mean i was sorry Sam, what are you saying i would say i can't imagine because even now there's like a problem with not enough visibility around that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and so i feel like back then especially there was even less 
So I can't imagine that it was much of the topic of conversation when like assault in general, I don't think was talked about as much. And even now it's not talked about enough. Well, I mean, it's like all the Biffs who watch the movie, you know, not <laughs> enough, not enough like Lorraine's watch the movie. But the sad thing is that like the Martys who watch the movie, they're the most dangerous ones because okay. Marty's whole plan to George is like, I'm going to basically attempt to rape my mom. Then you're going to come in and save the day before this other guy comes and <laughs> attempts to rape her. And she'll be so grateful to, to you that then she'll, you know, she's just going to marry you. Yeah. Yeah. That was very horrific. I forgot. <laughs> that. I forgot that part of the plan was for him to like pretend to rape the mom. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I've to- I, I remembered that he interfered with Biff, but I forgot that the original plan was for Marty to just do it. <laughs> and then I yeah. was like, Oh no. <laughs> I mean, and he's just like, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Time space continuum. This was all so that she could be saved from her potential rapist by her peeping Tom. Mm-hmm. So, like, still not a great scenario. But Lorraine is an awesome girl. She takes, like, ownership of her sexual identity to a certain degree. Um, like, she's used to parking. That's no, that's no big thing. But I like how Marty's, like, then disgusted by that. But she's also, like, attracted to danger. Like, she likes the guy who got hit by the car, whoever that guy is. She likes when one guy punches another guy. She likes that. It um, really makes her whole life seem just bleak. Well, where it's it, just, like, waiting for, like, the first dude who, like, barely impresses her at all. She's just going to marry him. It makes me believe when she's, like, hitting the vodka <laughs> in the original timeline a lot more. I stuff. did not, like, when I was a kid, I didn't get that at all. Me uh, neither. That was one that I was like, oh, man. Yeah. I was like, oh, was she's an sad. alcoholic. <laughs> Yeah, and then when he saw her drinking and, like, made a face, it was a little sad because he was like, oh, because he knows his mom's an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look at original. I mean, not that, not that any version of George McFly is acceptable, but, like, original George McFly in the 80s is horrific. Like, that laugh. Oh, 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 oh. like, oh. it just, uh, like, spiders crawling up my spine. <laughs> I had to hear Crispin Glover. All right, let's jump into our uh, top three moments. Any honorable mentions before we begin? Um, for me, the honorable mention is the guitar at the beginning, like just wanting to get blown away by the guitar. Well, I mean, did he really though? Like, I don't think he planned to get like knocked back. Right. Cause there was something that was Doc's warning. There's a line of dialogue, Doc yeah. a message. Yeah. But still like, yeah. Turning everything up to 10 and then like just strumming the guitar one time that did seem like the coolest thing ever to me as a kid. So that's my honorable mention. Uh, my honorable mention is when in the 50s he makes the model of the lightning strike and then I learned that apparently in the 50s fire extinguishers were just cans of water. <laughs> so, Because I like laughed for 12 minutes when he put the fire out with that. That was a really cool model too. It was. Yeah. My honorable mention is uh, when Marty, he's at the end when he gets back in 1985, he, he knows he's in 1985 because he sees a porn theater. Yep. And he's like, ah, like he's relieved. Like, Wait, back home. Like- why was the like the movie theater in the center of their town square a porn theater? I couldn't. I I never well, noticed like, that. I think did it's you, just like the eighties were shitty or something. You know? Did you see how scummy the high school was though in the original timeline? Like graffiti everywhere. Like to the point where you thought they they would have taught a graffiti class. Mm-hmm. Was but, it just their town like a disaster? Is that what they were? I guess. Saying? Although it's it's weird because in the sequel it's like really really a disaster in like the alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, can we talk about the fact that it's the movie is orgy American style? Yeah, that's what I saw. I was like, what? Which is 
a great like cinematic pun, but it's also like a prime example of like eighties like nationalism. <laughs> <laughs> Reagan. <laughs> All right, what's well, you guys number three? Uh, when uh, Marty meets Doc Brown in nineteen fifty five and like shows him the flux capacitor, and I just thought for a minute, not that Doc Brown really is on this planet to connect with it, but imagine being like such an outcast that someone actually has to travel back in time from the future to give you validation <laughs> and direction. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I really like 1950s Doc Brown, I think a lot more than 1980s in a way. Did you happen to watch this movie in HD? Uh, no, sadly. I watched it on a DVD, which was not great quality. Because in HD, you can see like the, the makeup he has on for old Doc Brown. It's, it's distracting, yeah. really. Like him I... and Strickland both like look really weird. Yeah. There was a point where he was like in the car, like in the mall parking lot, and he like turned, and like the makeup on his neck was yeah. like yeah. very noticeable. Yeah, it's like obviously like latex painted yeah. over. Yeah. Uh, my number three was when Marty first went to the fifties, and they thought he was an alien, uh, like the family <laughs> with the barn, because I totally forgot that scene happened, and it seemed like that family was from like the 1800s homestead yeah. like not even the 50s like all of a sudden they came out with like shotguns and like crazy accents that no one else in the town has and just like started open firing on him because he had a yellow suit on yeah i had totally blanked that from my mind and then like it obviously fits in with later with like the dad's book and stuff but i just totally forgot that he for one second was like on like the little house in the prairie and then almost got shot <laughs> Definitely. Okay, my number three, and I, I feel like some of mine are like pretty generic, but what can I say? Uh, when he's uh, skateboarding through town, escaping from Biff and his gang. Um, mm. I mean, that's just a great scene. Uh, I love how Zemeckis shoots the action in this movie, because it's, it's just a skateboarding scene that leads to Biff driving into a truckload of shit. But like for a minute there, it feels like Indiana Jones. Well, it's weird to watch like 80s stunts because they actually had to do it. Yeah. You know, like that's actually somebody not wearing a helmet or pads, like on a skateboard doing stuff. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, my, my number two, I mean, I don't know what you mean. Cause like it, it's such a classic movie. It's hard to pull just individual scenes cause they're all so interconnected. But my number two is just basically everything in the, the town center when he comes to 1955, like, the slow realization this is indeed the past, like seeing the porn theater is actually a real theater of a Reagan movie. It like, really takes him like a long time to figure it out for some reason, even yeah. though he knew he was in a time machine. Well, I mean, he's not, <laughs> he's not a total dunce. I mean, he would have known you would have thought that, that there's no tabs like being served or Pepsi free being served in the fifties dream state or not. But mm -hmm. right up to the point, like I love all of that. Like it really played up on the same kind of trip through the town, uh, you know, in the beginning of the movie, but right up to the point where he gets in the diner and sits down and like holds his head in the exact same manner as his absolute fucking creep <laughs> of a dad. Yeah, it was a nice reveal where like the Lou steps out of the way and you see George McFly there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my number two was gonna be the skateboarding scene. So <laughs> but I guess I'll replace it with like the other major moment, which is just like the whole lightning sequence and especially Doc like dangling from the clock tower. Just because mm -hmm. I feel like that's become like a very iconic thing that like I always associate with that movie, mm -hmm. um, with him like sliding down the wire like Home Alone style and connecting it, everything happening like just in time. It's still like even though I've seen that movie thirty times, I still get like 
your heart races a little bit watching it and like hoping he's going to make it in time. And it's just like really well done. And I think like the big, you know, centerpiece for a reason. Yeah, that was, that was one thing I noticed when I was watching it was that I still was getting nervous and on the edge of my seat, like yeah. waiting yeah. for him to connect the cable and not fall. Which, I mean, you know, it's like, a, how many times have I seen this movie? But So it's definitely great filmmaking if you're you're still that invested in it. Well, it's so simplistic compared to how convoluted something similar would be in a movie today. <laughs> yeah. But, like, he even does, who is it? Is it the, the Buster Keaton pose that uh, you see on one of the clocks in Doc's, like, shop at the mm. start of the movie? The little yeah. Buster Keaton clock? Um, it's just weird, the little things that you'll notice while rewatching the movie 10 years since you last saw it so my number two is when lorraine make wakes up marty after he got <laughs> hit by the car um, i love lorraine in this movie she is having a lot of fun playing kind of like going back and forth between being like kind of like saucy and aggressive and like you know demur uh, it's just a really fun scene where i've never seen purple underwear before <laughs> and she, she like kind of wants to look again he's like freaked out i just love the, the way they interact is that the one where he he wants to tell her that she's hot or like he's afraid to realize that she's hot. He's just like, you're so, ah, actually, ah, 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 you know. <laughs> I guess he could interpret it that way. I thought he was going to say you're so young and didn't want to like reveal that he was from the future. Yeah. But maybe I was being trying just to make it a little bit less creepy. <laughs> I mean, I think it's supposed to be a, a little bit creepy intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the whole movie is supposed yeah. to be yeah. a well, I mean, I, I guess it, it seems like with Lorraine, like, being into Marty, that's kind of like, I think they know what they're doing. But mm -hmm. the stuff where it's like, hey, our plan revolves around me pretending to rape you, I don't think they realize how creepy that is. You know? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's weird to think about, like, when you think about Robert Zemeckis and his other most immediate come to mind big movie, which I think would be Forrest Gump, and, like, how much he loves having like white guys influencing history <laughs> yeah. and then like also creepy rape scenes. Um, yeah. I mean like, and I like that they're like, you know, the grandfather paradox is great and all, but why even go back that far? Why can't you just be your own dad? <laughs> um, my number one will be just the ending where doc Brown shows up, tell them their kids are in trouble that they need to go back to the future I mean, because I feel like there's been too many scenarios in my life where I've quoted for no reason at all, roads, <laughs> you know, where we're going. I mean, like, it's such a cool ending to the movie because they didn't plan to do a sequel initially. That was just how the fucking movie ended. Like, you could, like, you two could go flying off to the future of Doc Brown. I loved it. Um, so that really sticks with me. It's it's the cherry on top of a of a what was once a great movie before all that rape. I realized all that rape was in there. <laughs> Um, my number one just had some shade thrown at it, but I can't help it. My favorite scene of all time is and always will be It's Your Cousin Marvin Berry. <laughs> <laughs> I do, like, there's just something about it. I think it's because that's the line that my family quotes the most. Uh -huh. Like, um, in the movie, you ever say I love you, man, with like Jason Siegel? I don't think so. It's like a Paul Rudd, Jason Siegel movie. Mm -hmm. And there's a part where they're like playing guitar together. And Jason Siegel just yells at your cousin, Marvin Barry, for no reason. <laughs> and my dad does that like constantly, like for no, like just like, I feel like Marvin Barry just becomes such like a thing in my brain that it's like just so funny to me. And I know that like it's very problematic of like, oh, let's say that like technically a white guy invented like something that yeah. a black person is very famous for. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know, just like that whole thing. It's just like so over the top and like just so funny and like just i know that new sound you've been looking for it is the whole thing like that yeah. guy's hilarious i don't know i just will never 
not laugh at it's your cousin Marvin Berry. I know when I was a kid, I thought that was just like the coolest thing ever, like him playing guitar. And now I'm just like, oh, my God, this is embarrassing. (laughs) It's yeah, it's it's classic if you're a kid, I think. But now I'm just like looking at it from all these different angles. And it's it's very and it's almost like you like you said, you've been time traveling and you're back and now you have to see it different because he he plays an objectively terrible version of Earth Angel. And then they're like, hey, kid. Yeah. Let's play one more song. Oh, and it's like it's settled down. Just play the song. Like this like weird like tapping he starts doing, like all these like eighties guitarists. Well, because Marty's definitely influenced by Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's undeniable. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, Marty kind of made the whole thing about him, obviously, with the big solo, but I support Marvin and him supporting his cousin. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta give props to Chuck Berry, who picks it up like first of all, the band picks up the song immediately they just know the song yeah the starlighters yeah (laughs) yeah and then chuck like picks it up over the phone after it's already started (laughs) i actually had to make like a username for a website recently and i tried to make it your cousin marvin berry but it didn't fit (laughs) so yeah my number one is the uh you know the the race to 80 miles an hour at the end doc brown having to connect the cables i mean that whole sequence is just the music, um, I love the way the camera does the pan across the dates on the uh, on the time machine. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something about the way it does that, like, pan across. It's always seems so cool, you know? It's, like, right in the middle of the action, like, yes, this is the time you're going to. And then Doc Brown has to connect the cables. It all has to happen at, like, just a precise time. It's just, it's really satisfying to see everything come together at once like that. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the, the flame tire tracks are just cool. Yeah, I love. I forgot about those. That was like so good. All right. Well, do we have any uh, any complaints or issues? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you haven't picked up on our biggest issue, yeah, so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the entire plot basically being a celebration of rape culture. Yeah, that's probably one of the main one. Well, even like aside from obviously the big moment, which even like when he first finds Biff with Lorraine in the car, which even like the whole setup was just like so horrific. Um, but if you notice, like, even when he first goes to the school in the 50s, Biff's, like, sitting with her in the cafeteria, and he's, like, straight up, like, assaulting her in the middle of the cafeteria. Like, he's, like, all, like, he's on her. Mm-hmm. And, like, hands all over her, and she's, like, telling him to stop. And I'm, like, where are teachers? Like, were you just allowed to, like, molest people in cafeterias in the 50s? Like, I it think was that's what makes terrible. it so disturbing, is that it seems like this was apparently accepted, not only in the 50s, but also possibly the 80s. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh, sometimes jerks like to take girls' clothes off. And it's just like, yeah, that's normal. Like, this was bound to happen to Paul Lorraine at some point or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and fucking, like, Donald Trump Jr. there. Who, <laughs> let's face it. If he if he wasn't going to at some point, like, force himself on Lorraine, he was going to force himself on George. Like, his level of fixation on that creep well, was yeah, intense. Outside the dance, that like it seemed like weird rapey between Biff and George, also. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then he uh, he hires him to be like his like assistant or something in the future. Yeah, I've seen people say that online before. It's like, why are you gonna like give a key to your house to the guy who tried to rape your wife in high school? Yeah. Yeah. Also, why didn't you like report him for trying to rape your wife in high school? Well, and also, he's lying about the wax. Like, he's not a good employee. So mm-hmm. <laughs> just add that on top of the fact I wouldn't want him checking my fucking mail. But in the original timeline, 
So George and Biff go into the same line of work to the point where Biff can become George's supervisor. Like, where the fuck do they work? That's true, yeah. What do they do? <laughs> like, maybe there's one business in that town. They both have to work there. Yeah, seriously. They work at the JCPenney <laughs> that you see a hundred times behind the car. <laughs> well, I think when I first watched this movie, I didn't realize that Marty's family was a bunch of losers, really. Like, I got that, like, his dad was lame, but I didn't realize that, like, all, like, his siblings and, you know, his mom and it was like, this is just, like, a really depressing family. Yeah, I also, I feel like the implication was, like, oh, if you're, it's, like, there's very weird masculinity things where, mm-hmm. because George, like, instead of meeting from him being a victim, he, they met from him being, like, an aggressor, they're better looking, they're richer, and apparently being better looking makes you richer and makes you generally happier and makes you be more in love 40 years later and makes your kids be more successful. <laughs> yeah. Very 80s message, yeah. It's like Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, George being a pee-pee Tom, it's just... I I I think they were trying to say like oh this guy's a loser but it's just like could you have found another way for him to like kind of be lame other like you don't want to see this dude marry Lorraine now he's a total creep well he's he's already just like this weird sci-fi writing loner who can't go to the dance because he'll miss his science fiction TV show mm-hmm. like he's already a, a sad misguided outcast as far as the movie's concerned. To like add in this this weird, I feel like that's the problem is that maybe Zemeckis, like if they ever encounter criticism during the production, he's like, no, 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 it's about frustration, male frustration yeah. primarily. Well, but it makes it pretty hard to root for him. Yeah, exactly. Well, plus yeah, it's I Christian forgot Glover. about that too. And even when they said like, oh, what were you doing, George? Like bird watching? I was like, wait, are they gonna? Is that where this is going? And then that is where it was going. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right well any other complaints before we just do some general discussion um i mean besides the rape there's also a very problematic portrayal of libyans but... yes. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that is true yeah which well, i also had forgotten about i don't think i knew what libyans meant when i was younger so right <sighs> well, just yeah. this idea that doc brown is like oh yeah i'll make a nuclear weapon for you and like psych i'm just gonna <laughs> steal your plutonium I mean, we talked about this yesterday. I would not have sent my dog into the experimental time machine. Oh, first. my God. I was very upset this time. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. You're watching it. And you're like, why Why does he need to put the dog in there? Why not just put the watch in there on the seat of the car? Well, I mean, I get. That happens. Einstein. Yeah. I, I get that maybe you need to make sure that, like, biological matter can survive the trip. But, like, you can't go get a gerbil or something or a hamster. Your own dog. Your dog. I mean, what if that dog came back with, like, three heads? <laughs> I don't know. Just Like I said, I like Doc Brown in the 50s a little bit more than I like Doc Brown in the 80s. He was so jaded by the 80s that he couldn't even feel compassion and love for his dog. Yeah. Is that supposed what? to be the same dog? I was wondering the same thing. It's that a long-lived dog. It's like Einstein 5 or whatever. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, just I made some general notes, and uh, you guys feel free to chip in with anything you have. I thought it was kind of weird that, like, we got these newspaper clippings beginning to say that, like, Doc Brown's mansion burnt down. Yeah. And he, like, sold off all this prime real estate, which would seemingly be worth millions of dollars. Was I guess that their way just... of explaining, like, why he doesn't have a job besides making, like, random things? I guess. But, yeah. like, was that, I guess I wouldn't have really questioned it. So. 
what yeah, I know. is behind a Burger King. Yeah. Well, there's something about the idea of a Doc Brown that's like so ingrained in my mind from a young age. It's just like, oh yeah, crazy Doc Brown, the inventor. Like, I don't, my mind doesn't need an explanation for how he's funding himself, you know? Well, and I, w- I would think that by this point, he would be like the town pariah, you know? Like, you would mm-hmm. think that the McFlyers would be like, please stay the fuck away from that guy. Yeah, I wouldn't want my teenage son to like casually hang out with a 60 year old man all the time. Yeah. <laughs> And also, why did they have to meet at 1 a.m. the first time? That's very suspicious. Well, and why does he have, like, a giant guitar amp? Like, seemingly that's there just to, you know, entice Marty McFly to want to come over or something. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's like he's grooming feel like, him. I feel like Marty's not the first <laughs> young boy assistant. <laughs> oh, that's dark. My theory, my nicer g-rated theory was that he helped stock with like the dog or whatever in exchange for being allowed to practice guitar in his garage and they became friends along the way okay like a, that's what i decided like a sweeter dennis the menace kind of situation maybe yes <laughs> his dog's place was pretty gross yeah the like dog food on the ground and all that at the beginning yeah well the 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 machine <laughs> the, the feet yeah. dog well, it's like somehow he invented a time machine, even though all his other inventions seem to suck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not so good at nuts and bolts, but like the gentle fabric of the universe. <laughs> that's that's my metier. Yeah. What did you think about the um, just the the gadgetry of this movie in itself? It, to me, it was really weird seeing all these like knobs and switches for like their technology. Like, I mean, this is what made me feel like time traveling, like compared to today where everything would just be like a flat screen or a computer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or a hologram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I think it's definitely a very different idea or image of like just technology in general than we'd have now. But it's weird because then in the second one, when they come to 2015, it's a lot more of that, like the hologrammy stuff, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But somehow they hadn't. I don't know. Maybe it's just trying to be moralistic to even though he's a genius, he couldn't invent that stuff yet he could only invent a time machine i mean i'm always fascinated by a previous iteration of cultures like version of the future i mean like it's always it's always going to be problematic like Tomorrowland, you know the, the original disney thing it's always going to be scary just because there's no black people there you know what i mean it's always inspired by some corporate company but yeah like analog time travel is fascinating it was refreshing not to see the the current vision of the future, which involves like hologram interfaces and you're always like swiping things away in midair. <laughs> I was yeah. happy not to see that. I mean, I like to see just like knobs, like something like you would see on a guitar amp. Um, well, speak, he, speaking he, of guitars, did you happen to get a look at Marty's guitar in, in the beginning there? It's really weirdly shaped. I yeah. Really noticed it, I don't think it's this weird, like it's tiny, like it's this yellow electric guitar. It just looks really bizarre. It's it's a it's a lot like skinnier guitar too. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna assume that Doc made it himself. Oh, maybe. I just don't see him going down to like the Fender store or you know or the Gibson store and buying a guitar. Well, this was also lame, poor McFlies. So maybe in the future, then he got a much better guitar when he had the cool truck. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Which they're all shocked. Like, why is the carbon wrecked at the end? And then why do you care, Marty? Because you have your giant 4x4, which takes up the whole garage. It's I like parked at an angle. Yeah. And like the implications I always forget about of like him going back is that now like his whole life was different and he doesn't know what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure now that they were rich, they went on different vacations. They had very different experiences. Maybe he had different friends. Like, 
Well, would he really? Would he really be dating the same girl? Uh, yes, because him and Jennifer are soulmates, and I love them in second movie. When she becomes Elizabeth Shue. So if if uh, if Caleb went back in time and changed the past, would he still be dating Hannah in the future? Yes, he would. Even if he had stayed with his rich mom in California, he would have found his way to Rosewood. (laughs) That might be a nice alternate take on five years forward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's how Spalev came about. Was Caleb's just returned from the past? (laughs) That would explain why there's potentially like a dark Caleb out there. From the alternate timeline, yeah, yeah, the Ravenswood Caleb, like he has a goatee. Oh, should we should we talk about uh, Marty's outfit a little? Yes. You mean his Coast Guard outfit, as the joke was made eighteen hundred times, which yeah. I also forgot about. Well, it was funny is that I wrote down in my notes Coast like Coast Guard life preserver outfit, and then the joke just starts coming nonstop. Also, the eighties. I feel like the notes always like let's get some more denim in there. Well, he's got some serious layers going on. He has a t-shirt and then a button-up shirt over that, and then a jean jacket, and then his like weird vest. And suspenders. And suspenders. Yeah, it was a lot of layers. <laughs> I also was very partial to Jennifer's pink jacket. Oh yeah, she has like a. She had a very cool eighties look. <laughs> she she reminds me of uh, like Mia Sarah and Ferris Bueller, and that she seems too cool for Marty. She's got the pop collar. Yeah. Well, he at least seems to acknowledge that he's pretty lucky that she's around. Yeah. Yeah. Because my other big pet peeve with like a lot of 80s movies or like movies in general is like the super hot girl and like the guy who's like, eh, but then somehow like she's like running, following him around and like begging him for more attention. At least here, Marty like acknowledged that this was, he was, she was a little too good for him and he kind of knew he had to impress her to keep her around. Right. Right. Fortunately, no one's coming back in time and like telling Marty, like, don't worry. I'm going to, like, pseudo-rape her at the dance. You come in, Marty. <laughs> well, doesn't she also, though, she kind of gets, like, a shitty deal in the second movie. I think she, like, spends the whole thing unconscious. You know, like, like, napping on the porch or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I was reading that the the writers, if they'd known they were going to do a sequel, would not have had her come to the future at the end of this movie. And so, to write around that, they just have her, like, be unconscious. And it's like, oh, now we can, now we can have our, our guys go off and have fun and not have to like, worry about her. Such, such a meta statement about <laughs> this movie. <laughs> um, also, this is a very small thing, but either of you guys noticed that at the dance when Biff's like gang is there, one of them is just wearing 3D glasses for no yes. reason. <laughs> yes, that's his look. That's his affectation. And it's not the Why? Billy Zane one. That's, it's like, that's what you, people did in the 50s, apparently. You've got like your Billy Zane bro and you got your <laughs> 3D glasses bro. I don't, do they even have like 3D glasses then? Like, I didn't even realize. Like, old, is it for, old like, school comic 3D. book stuff? Yeah, they, they had 3D back then. It was the, the red and blue type that's, like, really horrible. Uh, I mean, normal 3D now is not great, but it used to be really bad. But, yeah, that was, a, that was a, a big thing to get people to go back to movie theaters instead of watching TV. It was 3D. I feel like in the... If there ever was a remake, which, thankfully, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale will not allow happen in their lifetime... Like the 2016 Marty would like verbally take down this entire gang <laughs> and it'd be like, hey, guy, everything's in 3D. You don't need the glasses. <laughs> Just be like bullying is not cool. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny, like when Strickland, like he basically is just like chewing Marty out and calling him a loser. Like he could never do that now. No, like, yeah. that would not fly. Well, and even to like insult his parents, like no McFly has ever mounted anything. I was mm-hmm. like, that's dark. Yeah. Like, excuse me. Yeah. You might as well go kill yourself, Marty. I think that was very 80s. Like, the 80s principles were always just, like, monsters. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you guys happen to notice it's when Marty's walking with his girlfriend in the town square, 
and uh, some like girls in aerobics outfits walk by and he just starts checking their asses out. Mm-hmm. And she has to like turn his face around like, no, look at me. Yeah. Ew, I did not notice that. Well, it's, when you consider his father, I guess you can't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like this like boys will be boys moment that's so strange. Like she's not even bothered by it. She's just like, ha ha ha, back here. Also, Mountain Dew hat. Mm-hmm. Also, Huey Lewis is telling Marty that it's just too darn loud. Oh, I love that. Also, Marty's band is called the Pinheads, which that's an 80s thing, right? I mean, you wouldn't say Pinheads now. I, I can't imagine so. ever saying that. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't even think. I can't remember what the etymology of that that word is, but. I, I also I just, like how um, they kind of put the idea in this movie. That's obviously a huge thing. The second one with the Doc said that he'll be able to see who wins the next 25 World Series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I I forgot that I was mentioning this, and then not like in the second one. That's like the biggest thing is who wins the World Series. Yeah, I just I want to see like the Pinheads go do the battle of the bands with like Wild Stallions from Bill and Ted, <laughs> and win. I thought it was funny that like the stakes for Marty in this movie are really he just wants like a nice car and to go to the lake like with his girlfriend. That's yeah. It's kind of funny to the like after like all the modern movies that they're you know sci-fi and genre stuff much higher stakes involved this guy just wants to go to the lake well also he wants to exist (laughs) (laughs) and and he would he wouldn't be upset if his brother and sister existed as well well the 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 photograph thing is so perfectly like a movie reminder of the stakes Mm -hmm. you know it reminded me a little bit of um looper when like if you like have the guy from the, the present day you start cutting off his fingers and the old guy who should not exist anymore or whatever, like his finger will just suddenly fall off. I, I like that, that kind of very clear movie logic, but at one point Dave's head disappears, <laughs> but not the rest of his body. That just goes in, in order. Yeah. But I mean, like wouldn't all of Dave disappear? I mean, it's pretty ghastly. <laughs> well, also like, does that mean that at that moment in 1985, Dave, like his head fell off? Like, <laughs> yeah, what? yeah, exactly. Because yeah. Marty's hand went away playing the guitar. So like, did his sister vanish? Right. Well, and then, like it, the next day, they were like, "Well, back to my fancy job that I suddenly have." Yeah, it plays pretty fast and loose with you know time travel concepts, where it's kind of like you've altered the future, but it doesn't change right away. You still have time to kind of like fix it for a while. Yeah, you can look at your ghost. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it's basically the same time travel rules as, dare I say, hot tub time machine. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, I think that movie owes a lot to this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the- Biff. I would say is, of course, a piece of shit. Somehow a less racist, less misogynist monster than Donald Trump. Well, I feel like I would, I want to rewatch part two now because I feel like future Rich Biff mm-hmm. is like basically Donald Trump. Yeah, I'll bet. I, I think Trump was known at that point in the 80s. I'll bet it was at least somewhat inspired by him. Yeah. I mean, 89, that was it's pretty much like Art of the Deal, I mm-hmm. think, was out by then. It's funny how. Um, uh, Lorraine, old Lorraine, original Lorraine. She drinks pop off vodka. I thought that was pretty funny. That's the cheap stuff. Mm-hmm. I also thought I forgot about like, oh Marty, that's a nice name. And I was thinking like, don't either of them have memory? Like when Marty ages and looks yeah. the way he looks, aren't they like, hey, you look exactly like this guy we knew for a week in high school, who we all knew you named you after. Yeah. Exactly. We who who that. was really strange and acted like he knew things he shouldn't, you know. Well, and, and also from George's perspective, like, oh, the last guy my wife dated before me in high school 
our kid magically looks just like him. Like, what has Lorraine been doing while I've been at work? Maybe they know and they just don't say anything. (laughs) Well, why aren't they, like, bragging about the fact that they knew Calvin Klein in high school either? (laughs) (laughs) Who was, like, wearing his prototype underwear even back then. (laughs) I I was talking about this with you, Marco, yesterday. When they're first testing out the time machine, they stand in the path of it coming right at them for some reason. Like Doc Brown's like, no, 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 don't, don't back away. Whoa. It's like, why? This is your first time testing this out. What if it doesn't work? You can get run over by your own time machine. Let's talk. He was about willing to kill himself, Marty and Einstein in one shot, obviously. <laughs> Let's talk about the fact that the doors of the DeLorean being what they are, you don't just drive the DeLorean up into the truck. You know what I mean? Cause then you can't get out. Like, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh yeah, you're fucking trapped in that DeLorean. <laughs> like Doc Brown, it's like the little things don't work out for him, which makes me worry about like the ones and zeros that might be essential to time travel. Or how about that when he comes back from the future at the end, he has a home energy reactor. Yeah. <laughs> and the thought of Doc Brown having any kind of energy reactor is very troubling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the race of stereotypes of the Libyans is amazing. But also, when Doc says, I don't know how the Libyans found me, I'm thinking, how the fuck did they find him at 1.30 in the morning at the mall? I mean, I would think if, they're, if, they, if they can get plutonium, mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be that hard for them to track down some dumb <laughs> scientist who drives around with like a big van that has his name on the side of it. Maybe. Maybe they're just cruising, like, yeah. hoping, yeah. Maybe they have an in with a security guard, J.C. Penny. Roaming around with like AK-47s and RPGs. Yeah. Back when it was the Twin Pines Mall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that scene where Doc gets shot, that always like traumatized me as a kid. Yeah. And then Marty, par- Marty has apparently never seen a time travel movie like within this movie because it takes him so long to like figure out that he's in 1955 and he keeps making these really dumb mistakes over and over again. Like, oh, well, it's a rerun. Like inspiring Goldie to run for mayor. Like, <laughs> yeah. like basically inspiring civil rights. Like he's not, he's already gone and helped this black man create rock and roll. We'll do that. <laughs> also like inventing skateboards, apparently. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you know, I, thought, I didn't ever notice this before. He gets hit by a car. And so they just take him inside to like sleep it off. They don't take him to a hospital. Yeah. Also, the first thing you're supposed to do when someone has a concussion or anything is not let them sleep. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> They didn't know that in the 50s. They're like, oh, I ran you over with my car. Just come inside and sleep it off. <laughs> our, our undersex daughter will come in later and hit on you. What is the, I think he should stay the night in my room. Yeah. <laughs> I was also wondering, in the beginning of the movie, was he also lying to his parents about going to the lake? I think I think he told him like he was going with his friends or something like that. Because I thought it was funny that at the end, in addition to being better looking and happier or whatever, the mom, like, liked the girlfriend and the mom, like, knew about the trip and was, like, excited for him. I think... So they... it kind of seemed like she was, like, an, like a more sex-positive person mm-hmm. because of Because of Marty. <laughs> near rape instead of... I think she yeah. knew full well what was going to go on. And all of that was about... was hating, hating Jennifer was all about the fact that that's obviously not her life. That little bit of time when she was alive before she was married to fucking Crispin Glover and drinking Papa <laughs> vodka everywhere. Um, Just full of regret. I mean, I, I, I wish this movie didn't have such a, a, you know, problematic plot point that it revolves around because the general idea of 
you, you 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 think your parents are losers you go back in time and you kind of like get to see what they were like as teenagers and like all the the, the kind of high concept stuff of him interacting with them and realizing like oh my mom wasn't the good girl she said she was and mm-hmm. you know it, that's all really fun like i think that's what makes the movie work so well yeah, I like the idea of that and even like the parents being happier at the end. Cause it's like, like you said, it's hard to watch the dad in the beginning. Like it's mm-hmm. like the old, like the sad dad and the young dad were like painfully awkward to watch, like mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I like the idea of like, oh, you can go back and make them happier. But it wish that she didn't have to almost be raped mm-hmm. to have a happier adult life. Or like the first thing he says to his mom in the past is, you're so thin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Too old. You know, I just it just occurred to me, Hot Top Time Machine. It's also Crispin Glover's uh, best movie. Mm-hmm. Um, juggling chainsaws. I mean, because I I occasionally through my notes, I would pause it, and there's no freeze frame in which Crispin Glover doesn't creep me out. Like he has those like tiny dead eyes, and then you add in just George McFly's affectation in general. At least I don't know. At least in the 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 new timeline at the end, he seems just like a like a sleazier. Uh, uh, Michael Modine or uh, Modine, uh, yeah, yeah, Modine, yeah, <laughs> Matthew Modine, Matthew Modine. Sorry, yeah, he yeah. just wants to play tennis and like smack his wife on the ass in front of the kids. <laughs> you know, there's swingers, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, Leah Thompson, she's super cute as a teenager. Um, I I don't think I got at all when I watched this as like a five year old kid that there was like this weird sexual tension between them. I think I just didn't understand what was being communicated there, but she's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, I like that even Doc Brown looks down on George McFly. Yeah. (laughs) I like how Doc's biggest concern with the future was that he kept his hair. That was my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I, I, it was amazing to see again, the trope of the villain who's speaking of Biff, whose height is underestimated until he stands up. You know, it's like Marty's like talking and like then his voice just trails off as like Biff's shoulder goes over his eyeline. <laughs> I also forgot that Biff is supposed to be like so stupid. And like there's all this stuff about like him doing his homework and like make like a tree and like get out of here or whatever. <laughs> here. I like forgot that he's like so dumb. Yeah. You think that they could have like outsmarted him instead of even punching him. Like if you probably tap him on the shoulder, he would have like fallen down. I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I was surprised was that the whole like like Marty doesn't like being called chicken is not in this movie at all. No. Like that was no. something that they like invented for the sequels. That's just in the sequel. I couldn't remember. I forgot that was like not in this one too. I mm-hmm. think I just used to watch the first two so often that which happens in like which one is yeah. all melted in my brain. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I like because the... they also go to the fifties in the ne- in part two, right? They're like all yeah. over. They like it ends that right. They come back and it's like there's another Marty in town, like behind the scenes doing stuff. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, I know, uh, like, commonly it's looked down upon. I actually really love the third one because that was the one that I, I saw in the theater. And, like, I was old enough to remember that experience and seeing it for the first time in the theater. I don't know. It's, plus, the, the Western, like, motif really, like, kind of worked well, I think, for the general, like, layout of this where you have to go back in time and like outsmart the the bully or what have you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically the showdown in the middle of town in every Western. Um, can we talk about like when you went to, when you were in high school, was there ever a dance that had the theme of enchantment under the sea? 
I think my high school had some kind of like ocean theme dance. Really? But I don't think it was called, I mean, I wish it was called Enchantment of the Sea. That might be my wedding theme just to be back to future <laughs> homage. Um, but I feel like that's like a common, like, cause even the OC, one of their proms was like an ocean theme. I remember <laughs> like that's just like a very common trope for, it's like, I feel like it's like Hollywood, Paris and like ocean or like the three school dance themes in like all media. I, I probably a, a literal enchantment under the sea dance too. Like I'm, I'm sure that happens now. Yeah. Paint homage yeah. to back to the future. But I mean, like, I think at our high school, the themes were like no Frenching, no freaking. <laughs> no, they had themes. Like what? Um, there was like a like some sort of jazzy theme once. I definitely remember that, like some kind of like twenty slapper theme. I know my junior prom was Mardi Gras themed, which is very risque mm, for high yeah. school. Mm, yeah, yeah. Oh, can we talk about how my 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 new honorable mention is Doc Brown's permit is just to give the cop a bribe? <laughs> the fifties. <laughs> that was another thing I did not understand as a kid. <laughs> It's like he found a loophole in the whole paperwork scenario. <laughs> he just opens his wallet in the background. Oh, uh, yeah. I have another line here. When uh, Marty's explaining the plan to George, he says, nice girls get angry when guys take advantage of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Also, the cackling, weird, redheaded dude who steals the rain from George on the dance floor. Yeah, what was that? I really... <laughs> The fucking Sherman. Well, then, he, there. then George is like, he's like confident and violent now. He just like shoves the guy to the ground. Yeah. I feel like that also would have made more sense if it was like one of Vic's crew for revenge or something, but instead it's just like some random guy. Well, it's like, seriously, like the, the dark woods that Lorraine lives in. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just predators everywhere. Like, maybe from now on in life, whenever anyone like disagrees with George McFly, he's just like violent and mean and he's punches like, them. shoving them and punching them. And then she pulls him with a private, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he expects immediate praise every time he commits violence. Yeah. <laughs> his new mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like that there's not even an attempt to get a voice that sounds like Michael J. Fox singing. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that guy's clearly not <laughs> Michael J. Fox. Oh, did you guys notice the part where uh, the, the Biff's, like, uh, henchmen or whatever run into the band? And they're just like, uh-oh, it's a bunch of reefer addicts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did like that the one guy like slapped the other guy on his like face as he walked by. Like they were like scared of him. That was funny at least. Yeah, that was. I I like I love the word reefer in old movies. <laughs> <laughs> I also forgot or I enjoyed the one thing that George did that I liked was I did think it was funny when he said, Give me a milk chocolate. That was George's one line that I Give me a know. chocolate. Or uh, give me a milk chocolate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he like swigs it and gets it all over yeah, himself. Like, yeah. Shot. Yeah, but that's how square he is. But that was the one George moment that I enjoyed. <laughs> well, and then he goes and and Lorraine, <laughs> you are my density. Uh, I also can't believe. I mean, you have to at least give him props that he was brave. That he does his peeping tom in the middle of broad daylight. Yeah, <laughs> like just it was like three p.m. and he was just in the tree with binoculars. Which would imply that this has worked for him before. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently this town just turns a blind eye to any kind yeah. of sexual misconduct. Yeah. So, <sighs> I also like that the DeLoreans being like unreliable is part of the plot. You know, like it, it keeps like the starter doesn't work. How much like was that like a product placement? Like how much of this was paid for? Do we know? 
I don't think DeLorean paid for it. I mean, I think they were probably almost out of business by the time this movie came okay. out. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's also a lot of product placement in general. I kept noticing like labels and like the JCPenney mm-hmm. thing. I don't know how much it was like intentional or how much just like, you know, that's what they were working with. It's it's the 80s. You're just surrounded by, by brands, I guess. Well, that's, even what, in the, that's what passes for culture. Even in the first <laughs> scene, you immediately like there's an ad for Toyota on the radio and he has like a JVC yeah. camera and a GE like something else, yeah. Well, they they pass by the Burger King. I mean, the Pepsi free cans like above his his like bed. Well, Michael J. Fox had a he was like a spokesperson for Pepsi or something. Oh, he yeah. was like he was like Pepsi's like guy. So yeah. I, I I'm imagining some money change hands over Pepsi being in this movie. <laughs> so they're like the other benefit of getting rid of Eric Stoltz and bringing the guy <laughs> from Family Ties is that we get that big Pepsi payout. <laughs> it worked great for Michael Jackson's hair. But I was thinking, like, watching this movie, like, even with all the creepiness, I feel like it wouldn't have worked with anyone else. Because he's just, like, so good in it and so, like, charismatic. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would have noticed the creepy stuff more with someone who, like, wasn't Like Eric Stoltz. Well, he's so yeah. boyish, you know, <laughs> yeah. he has such a, a, a young charm about him that you, you don't associate it with the, the creep. I mean, the only other person who, and I feel like in the 80s, you fall into two camps. You're the Michael J. Fox camp, or you're like the Matthew Broderick camp. And I couldn't see like Matthew Broderick in this. Oh no, I could not either. No. I'm not into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I if I could, I'd like to not see Matthew Broderick in a lot of things. But... <laughs> I think Ferris Bueller is calculating, whereas Marty isn't really. He's just kind of like seat of his pants. It seems like. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think the because Michael J. Fox was the original choice, and then they got Eric Stoltz, and I think that the criticism was that he played it too serious. To, to they wanted him to be more comedic so that when he gets serious later you feel it but he played it too intense all the time which i don't know yeah i don't know but part of it is because it's so ingrained in my dna i don't know if i can like constructively like like criticize what a change would look like you know unless you mm-hmm. literally put it in front of me and i just don't ever want to watch that footage of like eric stoltz out there I think that'd be hard too with like doing a remake. Part of why they wouldn't want to is like I can't imagine anyone taking on that role. Well, besides even like they'd have to change the whole plot because they could no way remake this and keep the rape stuff that way. <laughs> right. But well, let's, let's it's um, like actor problem. Let's talk about that. If you could change one thing about this movie, uh, what what would you do? Well, yeah, I just wish there was a way to keep it without the rape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like all of the rape, like not just the main one, but like all of the casual <laughs> things and the peeping Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all have the same answer and in I, that one. I'm sure there is a like there's a million other ways they could have met besides through all the rape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he he his mother in law or his mother is unfortunately like falling for him instead of his dad. He has to turn that around. There's got to be something else he can do there. You know, some some setup or something. Well, I think it says a lot that the one thing we that in a movie that contains a woman falling in love with her son, that is not the thing we would change. That yeah. something worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, if anything, that became kind of like the the fun gimmick of the series is like Marty's mom always has to be into him in the past, or you know his grandmother or whoever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just glad they brought back Leah Thompson for all of them, though. I mean, she is she is amazing in these movies. Um, and I'm glad they didn't bring back Crispin Glover. Well, should we do our power rankings? Uh, yeah. Sure. All right. 
Oh, you know, just one last detail I, I had when they get back at the end. Doesn't it almost seem like the Twilight Zone? Like everything is so perfect. Mm. Yeah, even like their hair is just better. Like everything is better. <laughs> I'm I'm really looking forward to part two because it's it's the one that I feel like I remember the whole movie the the least. I remember like all the weird little details of the future, but like the movie itself straight through, I remember the least. But I mean, just Doc Brown from the future, like he's dressed like. Across to like like Blade Runner, a Japanese pimp, and like Jubilee from the X Men. <laughs> I feel like I remember exactly three things from Back to the Future Two, and it's a hoverboard, self tying shoelaces, and um, that Marty's son is like goes to jail. That's like the three things I remember. When well, like <laughs> double it. ties, the uh, uh, the Jaws hologram. Oh mm, yeah. That, that oh, and, and and you know, jumping off a roof and then rising up. On a DeLorean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's already going to be in like, my top three scenes. Spoiler. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I've managed 10 power, uh, characters on the power rankings. I don't know how many do you guys have. Uh, yeah, I think ten. I have like 10, but I combined George and Lorraine for some. Okay. <laughs> uh, my number 10 is Biff. I'm just going to put him at the very end just because somehow he's worse than George. Um. Yeah, I, I have no, I have no explanation for Biff. He's number ten. Um, I have Young George as ten. That makes a lot of sense. But I separated Young George okay. from other George. Um, and for me, I have him before Biff because I think that there's a whole different kind of terror that comes with like the guy who seems nice but is also secretly basically a rapist. True. Or mm. terrible because it's just like a whole different set of issues. And even with how like he wants to be thanked for what any human should do. Which is save someone from being raped. So, right. yeah, I have George McFly at ten as well. He just, I just can't stand him. He's so awful. It, even even if you took away the the creep factor, he's still just like really annoying. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's such a he just allows himself to get pushed around, and he's such an idiot. Like it's not like he's like secretly smart or something. He's a moron. Right. You know? <laughs> Uh, my number nine is solely like timeline number two, George McFly. Um, just because he seems cooler, which is a shame because you're absolutely right, though. He's probably a worse monster than like timeline number one, 1985, George McFly. Um, just because he probably has the, 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 the freedom that privilege comes with, with his, what was the name of his book? Oh, something. It was like a romance thing. Yeah. You just know it's probably weird sci-fi erotica. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I I only have like like future timeline two George McFly on my list. It was a a match made in space. That's the name of this book. There you go. Yeah. It's not even a good title. Come on, George. (laughs) Well, it took him this long to publish it. Yeah. What what are you even doing? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, where where does the money come from then? I mean... I guess Dave has gone from what McDonald's to somewhere that he goes on Saturdays in, in a suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the sister just is generally more put together, I guess. Yeah, same same eighty. She has boyfriends okay. now. That that was the big detail. It's like, oh, I have all these boyfriends. The Did they ever follow up on if the uncle's not in jail anymore in the new timeline? Because I was very curious <laughs> about the uncle. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. The I did like when they see the baby. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at the beginning, I love that Dave has to point out to Lorraine that Uncle Joey is your brother. 
he's your brother, mom. It's like, and? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, what are we on? Nine right now? Oh, yeah. I have, I have Biff just as my number nine, just because, like I said, I think George is a little scarier. And also, Biff at least makes me laugh sometimes with his being a buffoon. So, <laughs> yeah. Young George did not make me laugh, really. What's funny is that the guy who plays Biff usually plays like a sweet goofball in other movies. Yeah, I have... Uh, I can Einstein. see that, actually. I have Einstein the dog as number nine. Interesting. Wow, that's a really low ranking for Einstein. I guess. I mean, I'm not a dog person. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I have no one at eight because I wanted to purposely keep a void between Biff and George. Okay. <laughs> I have... T- original timeline sad Lorraine and George is number eight hmm. just because they made me really uncomfortable and sad to watch especially now as an adult seeing like the casual alcohol reference and I was just like oh no <laughs> like you said Marty had like a very upsetting childhood originally yeah when you were younger what did you think of them I think all I just thought was like oh they get better looking and like <laughs> happy because you can tell I think when I was younger I could tell they were like sad like they didn't really talk to each other the dad was like so awkward and then at the end they're like kissing and happy but like just like i don't know for me noticing the alcohol was like a very big change mm-hmm. just because like that makes like a whole different level of like he grew up with an alcoholic mom in this timeline like to the point where it was like he was more upset to see her drinking in the past than to see her like knowing how to park or whatever mm-hmm. so. i think the 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 view of their family in the original timeline that i took away from it was that they obviously just all work because I was a kid, obviously, so I didn't, you know, pick up on the little details. But just that they all worked, and therefore, when you're all tired, blue-collar people, you probably will commiserate around the dinner table and the TV. Um, just because you don't have the freedom to be coming from tennis and going into the office on a weekend or what have you. But yeah, once you see the details now, it's... God, it's so sad. Well, you know, it's funny that they... Um, th- there, there's a bit where she's like, Marty... That's a nice name, like towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So they they get married, they have kids. They're like, no, we're not going to name our first son Marty. We're going to wait <laughs> on that one. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't feel. Yeah, right how funny yet. would it be if he went back and like the names were switched, like mm-hmm. his name wasn't Marty anymore? Well, you have to wonder: could there be like a, a new timeline Marty out there somewhere that like Doc is kidnapped or something? Who's just <laughs> You know, like this because like they said, have to murder the other one. Yeah, yeah they have to murder it because this one won't remember any details. Said, unless the new Marty needs like a pensieve or something because mm-hmm. like someone needs to show him because he needs to be able to like reference things. To his, he hasn't ever talked to his parents again in the new timeline right. that he's not going to know what their new family memories are, what they do. like. He's not going to know anything about his family. Yeah. Well, you know, not only is his family like living the nicer life, it's the same neighborhood, but it's like cleaned up now, like somehow like George McFly's like powers of confidence have changed their entire neighborhood to be like nicer. Well, he, he came home, you know, exhausted from a week in the past, did not notice the house had changed. Like just went straight to bed and crashed Mm -hmm. to wake up and realize that the living room is wildly different. (laughs) Well, and he also thought it was the whole thing was a nightmare until he saw the living room was different. (laughs) And it's like, wow, you had a very realistic nightmare marty (laughs) which you know i kind of i kind of like that movie aspect of it the the playing with the idea that maybe this was all a dream oh marty's a little slow on the uptake so yeah yeah i really wish the movie ended with him spinning a top that did not fall over (laughs) exactly (laughs) but his totem is a ring now so my number eight was uh goldie wilson Hmm. i mean there's barely any characters in this so i'm having a stretch well i didn't i didn't differentiate between young and old but 
I like Goldie. Uh, it's too bad Goldie needed to be inspired by Marty, but otherwise he's a fun character. Also, <laughs> is it me or is that former Mayor Red Wilson, who's the hobo, when Marty comes back from oh, the past? It might be. I don't know. Like the was- one. I bet it is because I was wondering, like, if I missed something with the former mayor, because I felt like they lingered on the name for so long that I was like, am I supposed to know who that is? <laughs> I, I really think, like, in the picture that you see briefly in the 50s of him when they're doing the the advertisement for him, I was like, oh, shit, that's the former mayor. <laughs> um, my in number seven. Face, mayor. Yeah. My number seven is Einstein the dog, the first dog to travel in time. <laughs> my number seven is Happy Lorraine and George, so timeline two. Just go. slightly above their sad counterparts, because the whole thing is still creepy and weird. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, his girlfriend, Jennifer Parker, is number seven. She doesn't get a ton to do. She seems nice enough. Yeah. Uh, my number six is Goldie. Um, past Goldie, future Goldie, all the Goldies. Um, I, yeah, like I said, it's a shame that he has to be inspired by some kid on a stool in his diner, but at least he's got dreams that he followed through on. My number six was Einstein the dog. <laughs> wow. As I was saying. I guess I'm a, not a fan of Einstein the dog. I just, I, it like really, I think I'm surprised that I wasn't more affected when I was younger because I've like always been a dog lover and I used to not be able to watch movies if something happened to a dog in them. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised I wasn't more concerned when I was younger, maybe because he comes back so quickly. But yeah. now the implications are just very upsetting. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see where like it's just as troubling to, to a lot of people that, Something might happen to Einstein as Doc being mowed down with bullets by the Libyan <laughs> terrorists. I think I read well, somewhere that like it was like in a test screen or something. People didn't know what kind of movie it was. And so they thought something horrible was going to happen to his dog during the first yeah, test there. Yeah. Because they weren't told it was a comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who I had number six? Oh, uh, Mr. Strickland. Hmm. Even though he's pretty awful. Yeah, he doesn't actually make it on the mind at all. Just yeah, be- I didn't even, I, he's like irrelevant to me. I didn't even like him. <laughs> Just because his his policies on dealing with students had not improved in 30 years whatsoever. Um, I wish f- we had seen him in the new future and he was like suddenly nice to people now. Because like George McFly yeah. threw with him hair. around. And with hair, yeah. <laughs> George McFly had punched him too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number five is just the DeLorean. Um it seems like a ridiculous 80s car, but like it makes perfect sense as a time travel icon. It makes perfect sense that this would be the thing that like people in the 50s would freak out by because it crashed into their their barn and like the doors raise up on the side. It beats the shit out of like Bill and Ted's phone booth. Um, and seemingly it's wreck proof because Marty crashes it into like uh, everything. Well, it's made out of like steel or something. Isn't yeah, it? or something. Um yeah, so just the DeLorean because it's so it's so iconic, but like just for for this. What kind of car would it be now if they made this movie? I was thinking about. Ooh. Well, apparently they picked the DeLorean because it had the gullwing doors and it would look like sci-fi-ish to like fifties people. They could confuse it for a UFO. Um, I think don't like Teslas have gullwing doors, or at least some of them do. Well, there's also like fancy like rapper cars that have like suicide doors and stuff mm-hmm. that like go back like do that kind of crap. But I feel like they're so like just sleek looking. They wouldn't. They're not like space looking. They're just like rich person looking. Yeah, yeah. I'm feel... trying to think of a car that's different enough from a normal car. I feel like this this universe's uh, Doc Brown would not make his thing into a Tesla only because it's it's named after Tesla. And as you saw, that one of Doc Brown's heroes is Edison. But I think a modern day Doc Brown would know that like Edison was a 
like a charlatan compared to Tesla, so he'd probably be a fan of Tesla. What if they just did like a smart car? <laughs> yeah, it's just like one of those like Google cars with no yeah. steering wheel. <laughs> also, we can talk about like I feel like Michael Richards got all of his Kramer body movements from Christopher Lloyd. I was thinking it's very Kramery. A yeah. lot of mm. it is. Very... Yeah. Apparently, a lot of that is because he had to crouch down because he's so much taller than Michael J. Fox. So that's yeah. why he like moves weirdly. Well, the, the the twist of sexual politics, we were talking about this before we started recording, are hard because poor Millar Hardin was cast as Jennifer for Eric Stoltz. And then when they brought back in Michael J. Fox, she's suddenly too tall for the 5'4 Michael J. Fox. So they let her go. Which just seems, I don't know, it's so, so sad that like <laughs> your performance was great. <laughs> She actually hadn't even filmed any scenes yet. But yeah. I mean, for all we know, she might have had like, yeah, she, she might have had good chemistry with Michael J. Fox. It's solely based on height. Yeah. Uh, what are we on now? Five. Five. Did you go? I think so. Oh, I have um, just young Lorraine as number five. Mm. Um, I like her a lot, and I think she was dealt a shitty hand. <laughs> yeah. And I think had she found a nice guy who had. Um, you know, encouraged her independent tendencies rather than use them to try to trick her into having a hero complex. She could have had, she could have been a successful author. She could have had a whole other great future. Mm-hmm. And also she wears amazing clothes and I love fifties clothes. So <laughs> I had uh Marvin Berry as number five. Oh, nice. Hey Chuck, you know that new sound you've been looking for? <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> Uh, my number four is actually Jennifer. Um, just because the 80s really did something for, for I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking back to myself as a kid watching it and the idea of the cool girlfriend, which is a stupid ideal at the time, that 80s way. But she does seem pretty cool. And like we said, I like that she she doesn't need Marty per se, but she does like him. Um, and he is at least a little aware that that he has to earn her. I don't know. She she has a good presence. She has a good presence for someone who has so little presence in the movie. Well, girlfriend just makes me think of Jennifer gone girling Marty in the future now. That would be great. (laughs) That would be that would be great. That would be an interesting. uh, That's what they have to do in the future (laughs) is avoid that. (laughs) Uh, That would be four. I had Doc as number four. Hmm. Just you know, he's good, but I have other people who I like better. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I feel weird now because that Biff at number four. I mean, he is a terrible person, but I think just as a character, he's at least, I don't know, to me, more substantial than the other characters. I mean, there's charisma there. There's a presence. That's... He's a good villain. Yeah. yeah. You remember him. And also, he's not like when some of the protagonists do things that are basically as bad as him, <laughs> it kind of like elevates him. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you brought up the great point that George is the more dangerous individual than biff because at least biff it's all surface yeah uh, you know to avoid him george will like lure you in with fake niceness again i'll just say any freeze frame of crispin glover in this movie is terrifying <laughs> um my number three is doc brown um just because the mad scientist the friendly like mad scientist uh stereotype i i you know i grew up loving this character um even though he he does seem kind of horrific in places. Also, it's cute that he pronounces it as gigawatts instead of gigawatts. <laughs> uh, my number three is the true hero of the movie, Marvin Berry. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I have Doc Brown as number three, too. Um, 
if anything, I feel like he probably comes off the best of all the characters, or at least most of them. Um, he's the only guy who's not just cool with like being a creep or you know casual rape. So he's got that he, going for him. He doesn't tell Marty you need to go do this complicated like sexual manipulation yeah. of your mother. He just says mm-hmm. you need to ensure that they unite. Yeah, and Marty comes up and decides the easiest way to do that. It's rape. <laughs> it's rape. I love the the bit with uh, who's president, Ronald Reagan. I thought that was pretty funny. Nice callback. <laughs> that was really funny. Jerry Lewis is vice president. That that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> um, my number two is Marty, just because this is this is what made Michael J. Fox in my mind. Uh, Family Ties was something I caught much later in like reruns. Um, I, and I, I remember seeing a lot of other Michael J. Fox movies solely because of this. Um, but yeah, there's something about Marty McFly. There's something about Michael J. Fox. He's still likable, even though when you look back at this movie and some of the his his schemes seem kind of icky. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he was my number two also. <laughs> Me too. For basically the same reasons. I was just like, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, Michael J. Fox is a national treasure, and this is why. Yeah. Uh, my number one, Young Lorraine. My number one is the mayor who, um, what's his name? Goldie, the mayor. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think he got the best, like, I forgot that was a plot line at all until I watched it again. And I felt like he got the best deal out of the whole situation where, like, he was working with a terrible racist boss mm-hmm. who was, like, talking down to him and didn't believe in him. And then one day, Someone, he was like, you know, you're great. And he was like, you're right, I am great. And then he became mayor and overcame all the racist assholes in that town. <laughs> so, And he got to run over and see that they'd, uh, that Biff and his crew had plowed into the manure truck. Yeah. And he has a little like bit where he runs over there and is like, ooh, that smells. <laughs> and I like to think that maybe in the new timeline, he's helping to stop rapes in that town as mayor. So, <laughs> Yeah. There you go. That's some good headcanon there. Or at least, you know, 10% less graffiti everywhere yeah. it seems like he cleaned up the city pretty well yeah it wasn't like covered in graffiti yeah i mean uh, you can't get rid of the porno theater but still yeah. <laughs> uh my number one is uh lorraine uh i love lorraine in this movie she's she's the most fun to me um leah thompson i'm trying to remember was she the uh she was in red dawn wasn't she mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah I, i've always liked her in movies i feel like even though she gets saddled with, uh, you know, some unfortunate plot lines, I feel like she's one of the only ones really having fun mm-hmm. and like getting to like express herself. Unfortunately, she ends up with George McFly, but you know. Yeah. I mean, at least in the new timeline, she seems a little bit happier. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I can be thankful of. Um, but I like that, like looking back with unfortunately all the rape and stuff, I like that Lorraine is a little. I mean, granted, the, the, the 80s misjudging of a woman owning her sexuality, there's that. But, like, she's still a little bit weird. Like, she likes to nurture the guy who got hit by the car. She's excited about the guy who got punched in the face. I, <laughs> I like that she's not, like, quote-unquote normal. She's a little fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's a, at least a slight subversion of, like, the whole, you know, idyllic 50s idea where... It's like, oh no, she she knew what parking was and she drank and smoked, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, the fifties were just like this perfect magical place. Right. I like how she owns it in the second timeline. Like in the first one, she's all like, Oh, girls who call boys, but in the second one she's like, Yeah, go Jennifer. Mm-hmm. 
But I, I mean, is it maybe her idea to keep Biff around? Just a <laughs> human being we've subverted? Yeah. This weird, like, 20 years long, like, torture of a person. Yeah. This Igor that we've neutered and just keep as our pet. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that she makes him do very, like, emasculating, embarrassing things when he's not busy working for George. <laughs> Waxing George's car. Yeah. Uh, plus, I mean, it's a good it's a good ending for her here because I want to say she gets it pretty rough in Back to the Future Part Two, right? Like married to, she's married to Biff, right? In the alternate yeah, timeline, I think. It's yeah, real bad. Yeah, I do remember that. So I want to want to hold on to this memory of her. <laughs> <laughs> and like, she's still coming on to Marty though, if memory recalls. Yeah, she's got a type. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Lannister type. All right. Well, that was Back to the Future. Um, Still a fun movie. You just kind of wish there weren't things that in 2016 stick out like sore thumbs. Yeah. I know they, they said they don't want to remake it. I kind of wish they would. I know that maybe that's sacrilege, but I I wouldn't mind a well-written, like, go back to 1985 type of remake. I wouldn't mind something where it's like a part four and it's like Marty's daughter goes back to the future of the past. See, yeah, I, I feel like I'd rather want a just a, a straight remake where it's just modernized. I think that'd be so hard because I think that finding a different Marty would be impossible, and also they'd have to change so much of it to make it okay. Yeah. That I don't know. Yeah, maybe like a a, a next generation would be <laughs> a better way to go. All I right. mean, it's going to happen. Star Wars type thing. Yeah, yeah. Have Marty and Doc back as like Han. Well, wouldn't the move be to like have Marty as like the new Doc or something? Like he's That'd the crazy great. old guy. His brain is fried from too much time travel on his youth. Well, like what do they do? I guess I'm trying to remember how Back to the Future 3 ends. It's like Doc marries that old train. lady. Yeah. That's all I remember is the train. Yeah, the train and... We'll get into it when we watch it, but I remember being really creeped out by one of Doc's kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I remember that. I think I saw that one, like, exactly once and was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of like, like, the first two movies are all, like, kind of, like, 50s, you know? And even even in the future, it's, like, re- retro 50s, and suddenly it's, like, Western. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm also just not a fan of Westerns in general, so. Yeah, I hear that. Um... Yeah, so at least we have Back to the Future Part 2 to look forward to, which will be, I don't know, it'll be interesting for me just because, like I said, I've seen this movie probably 20 times in my life, but, like, not for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I've seen Back to the Future Part 2 way less times. In my mind, it's my favorite, but I think I have seen it less, yeah. Okay. Wait, so, yeah, same. I always feel like I say Part 2 is my favorite, but I think it's just because of the hoverboards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the future stuff was so cool. Yeah, well, and the stuff of Zemeckis, where he's trolling you back then, and like, yeah, we've always had hoverboards. Just parents groups won't let them out. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. All right, well, uh, thank you for joining us, Samantha. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure, and we'll be back next time to talk about Back to the Future Part Two. Bye bye. <laughs>